CTV is a bigger ecosystem. Desktop and mobile really have two players in each, whereas CTV has many more. So you've got Roku and Apple and Google, and you've got all of the TV manufacturers. So the standardization is still coming together, but it's getting better by day. And the same concept of mobile, where you've got a device ID, exists in the CTV world. So now buyers are getting more sophisticated and and leveraging those device IDs to understand the consumers better and be able to more effectively target and reach that intended audience. Versus, again, with Linear, you're just buying a particular show and hoping that the audience aligns with your, um, your intent. Whereas with CTV, you can say, I have a pretty good feeling based on some data that that user is looking for a new vehicle. So I, BMW, want to reach that particular consumer. Curious to know what industry-leading marketers are looking to achieve in the ever-evolving digital landscape? The How Agencies Thrive podcast by StackAdapt is dedicated to helping the new breed of forward-thinking, savvy, lean, and mean marketers win in the rapidly evolving digital landscape. Time to thrive. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Vitaly Pichersky, and I'm the host of this podcast. Connected TV is a new but very fast-growing digital advertising channel. For consumers, it offers the user experience of watching traditional TV. And for the advertisers, it gives audience buying and measurement capabilities, that of programmatic advertising. I think this is an excellent episode to understand both the fundamentals, because it starts with discussion about the basics of CTV, but also it gives a great deep dive into more complex topics for those who want to level up their CTV game if they're already buying it. What I found interesting about this episode is the discussion about programmatic guaranteed, where you can reserve inventory ahead of time, and also how real-time signals can be used to optimize CTV campaigns mid-flight. We're very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Jeremy Smith from Telaria. This is our first podcast um, with Telaria. So uh, just a brief introduction to myself. Um, my name is Meredith, and I work on the solutions team here at Stack Adapt. So prior to joining the solutions team, uh, I was on the inventory team working with all of our suppliers, uh, including Telaria, uh, managing day-to-day relationships, but also building new products. And I was working really closely with Telaria on building out our CTV offering, um, which StackApp rolled out last year. So I was really closely looped into that. And then from there, you know, helping to work with engineering to get things going, um, the product team to make sure that everything worked on our platform, but also running education sessions on CTV for not only our clients, but also our um, sales team. And we really leaned on Telaria as they're the experts in this space um, for guidance there. And we used a lot of their resources and, and their advice on how to roll out this product. So I'm excited today to talk to Jeremy Smith, who is the vice president of sales engineering at Telaria, who has been with the company for over 10 years uh, and is really an expert in the CTV space. So, you know, for someone who's been working on this product for about a year now, I'm really excited to get his insight on the CTV space and the CTV offering. And I hope that listeners will find uh, value in, in this conversation as well. So Jeremy, thank you for joining me in this podcast. 
we, I mentioned just before the call that I'm sitting here, you know, in a closet at my parents' house recording this, which is kind of funny. So, you know, we're excited to do this podcast right now um, at this time. So I think just to start off, Jeremy, if you could tell us a little bit, you know, about your role at Telaria and how you got there um, and really what Telaria does as a company, who you are as a company and how you work with partners like StackAdapt, um, we could get started there. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, Meredith, thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to chat with you today. And I'm not in a closet in my parents' house, but um, <laughs> I'm also home today. So uh, interesting times, but um, really appreciate you guys putting this together. So as you mentioned, I've been with Telaria, uh, which was formerly Tremor Video and prior to that Tremor Media for about 10 and a half years uh, in a number of different roles. But over the past uh, five or so years, my focus has been on pre-sales engineering. So really consulting with buyers and sellers of premium video content to help them understand activating premium video supply, more recently on uh, connected television. Prior to my time at, at Telaria, I was at a company called The Feed Room. Uh, the Feed Room was a very early software platform for live digital video. So we offered tools to uh, companies like the New York Times and General Motors and even uh, government agencies like the State Department to stream video online. So I oversaw the sales engineering team at the feed room. Uh, again, that dates back about 10 years. So I've been in the space for a while. And, you know, again, I, I go out on a day-to-day -day basis and really spend time with not only our premium publisher partners, but our, our DSP uh, partners like StackAdapt, uh, as well as agencies and brands to really help them understand the opportunity that, that exists with video and again, specifically on connected television. Just to kind of give you a little bit of background of Telaria. So Telaria is a supply side platform, uh, an SSP, if you will. And we provide tools to help video publishers like uh, Sling TV and Pluto TV and Philo and others to manage and monetize their video inventory. And this really encompasses all screens and all devices that are IP connected. So think desktop, mobile, connected television. We recently uh, merged with the Rubicon project. So we are now the world's largest independent sell-side advertising platform. We're super excited about bringing these great technologies together. Um, obviously Rubicon, massive scale on the desktop and mobile side uh, for video. And um, you know our CTV expertise kind of coming together to provide buyers and sellers this great omni-channel solution. And really, we provide you know buyers the single source for reaching OTT viewers, um, along with things like targeting capabilities. And we do this in every U.S. market as well as in global markets. And just to give you some context on our software, we have what's called a video management platform or a VMP. I'll try to stay away from the acronyms today because I know we get a, a bit <laughs> heavy on that. So um, our VMP uh, allows uh, demand side platforms, agencies, brands to buy premium inventory across multiple publishers. And we're integrated with about 50 demand side platforms globally, including yours. And really, we give these partners tools to access things like real-time reporting, uh, really deep insights on, on how they can optimize their budget and uh, and you know their targeting strategy. Mm -hmm. And you know, having working having worked with Telaria over the past year, I can say that you know Telaria really 
they are experts in, in what they do. Um, and I find it be, to be really helpful. But it's funny that you bring up the VMD acronyms because something that I find, especially in the CTB OTT space, is all of the TLAs or three-letter acronyms. And I think that's something that you know can be really confusing for buyers, especially if they're just entering this space. So, you know, just to kind of start things off, I'm curious if you could define maybe some of these acronyms for listeners: OTT, CTV. VOD and you know how how Talari defines these acronyms compared to some of the other industry partners. Yeah, that, that's a really great question, and again, it is a, a challenge in our space that that we do have all these acronyms, specifically three letter acronyms, to kind of define how Talari thinks about CTV versus OTT. Um, so CTV we think of as premium long form TV content delivered through an internet connection through some sort of streaming device. Now that could look like a physical device like a Roku box or a Apple TV or even a, a stick, right? A Fire Stick or a Roku Stick or more you know, more commonly, I guess now, smart televisions where they're IP connected. So really the ad experience for viewers is big screen and it's non-skippable and it's very similar to linear, uh, linear TV. When you think of OTT, we think of it as a broader definition, kind of an umbrella term that covers any app or website that provides streaming content, again, via the internet, that's viewable across any screen, including desktop, mobile, tablet, and television. So really anything that bypasses a traditional set-top box, uh, i.e. your cable or satellite subscription. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction to make. I think when I talk to buyers about OTT versus CTV, they I think it makes sense, you know, as a consumer what it is. You know, if I'm streaming content, I can watch that on my phone, I can watch that on my computer, or I can watch that on a larger screen uh, like a, a TV in my living room, right? That's something that we're all really familiar with. Um, but when it comes to actually setting up campaigns, how does that differ between, you know, how I'm what my strategy should be and and which devices I should be focusing on. So I think we're aligned in this in the sense of, you know, these definitions. When I talk about OTT with our clients, it's really that content that's being streamed over the internet. And that's the video content that we're all really familiar with. Whereas CTV or connected devices is just one of the devices that you can stream um, this OTT content on. And I think, you know, the CTV aspect of it is especially interesting for advertisers because like you said, it does provide that sort of similar lean back TV experience because you are watching it on a bigger screen. But, you know, something that I get asked all the time is, okay, that makes sense, but what is my ad actually going to look like on a CTV device in the wild? So, it, you know, I'm curious if you can speak to what some of the key differences are between a CTV ad compared to that traditional traditional like linear TV ad and how those two really stack up against digital video ads in general? Yeah, um, great question. I think there's really kind of two different buyer silos right now, right? You have the traditional linear TV buyers and you have the, the newer digital buyers that are familiar with um, desktop and mobile and obviously some buying um, CTV as well. And I think what, what we try to focus on is helping marketers understand what are the similarities and what are the differences in these different environments. So 
you know, again, you've got those two separate silos. So I guess when you ask about the the actual viewing experience, CTV ads and linear TV ads are, are pretty much identical. They're non-skippable ads. They play on a big screen. Um, they're along broadcast quality television. What you get with CTV is you get this environment that has less channel surfing, um, this concept of ad pods. So ad pods meaning that traditional commercial break between content. They tend to be shorter, so people are more likely to see the ads compared to that linear TV environment where maybe users are switching channels or on a DVR experience, they're fast-forwarding through the commercials. So a lot of it is education, right, for us to help the buying community to understand why these two experiences are very similar. There's obviously differences in terms of measurement and targeting and, and reporting, control, et cetera, that, that we can get into. But I think those are kind of the, the core focuses of, uh, or core focus of um, the differences between the, the linear and connected TV environment. Mm-hmm. Agree. I agree with you on that one. Um, I think also, you know, you're bringing up the topics of measurement and targeting, and I think that's something that we should spend some time on today, because I think for both linear buyers and for traditional, you know, uh, digital buyers, the way that they target these ads is very different. So I'm just curious if you can talk about, you know, as a linear buyer, how does my targeting change with CTV and OTT? And also as a digital buyer, can I target the same thing? So what does targeting really look like on a, on a CTV campaign? Yeah, um, let's start with, C- uh, sorry, let's start with linear. So with linear TV, um, you think of it really as a content marketplace, which means buyers go and approach particular publishers, and they're really looking to buy spots within certain uh, programs, right? And they want to buy within certain programs so that their viewers line up with the intended audience. So give you an example. You've got female DIYers. To reach that audience, you may go buy Fixer Upper on HGTV, for example. Mm -hmm. The difference with CTV is that you're actually buying the audience and you're doing it really at scale. So CTV inventory reaches only those desired viewers because it's based on that audience targeting that you're applying. So really you're reducing waste because you're reaching that intended consumer, that female DIYer. So if you wanted to reach that audience in a CTV environment, you can do that by layering on that data and again, reducing waste versus that linear only kind of program schedule. So really, from a, from a targeting perspective, CTV offers data-rich targeting that digital buyers are used to, right, on desktop and mobile. Whereas, you know, linear TV has typically been used to achieve top-of-the-funnel metrics. Um, CTV can really kind of dive in on full funnel. So not just bringing brand awareness, but also helping users engage with that brand beyond the ad exposure. Um, and, you know, when you think about addressability, because I know that that's a, a term that gets thrown around a lot, it's historically meant household level targeting on cable connected televisions. But now that people are watching uh, VOD, video on demand across multiple devices, so many different screens, the targeting opportunities from a data perspective have expanded significantly. The scale has expanded significantly. So by combining uh, verified audiences, so with partners like Nielsen or data partners like LiveRamp, these 
uh, consumer viewing segments from content providers are much more effective, right? They, these uh, advertisers that are looking to reach um, diehard basketball viewers uh, are, are more effective in their approach on connected TV because of that one-to-one relationship. Hmm. And for digital buyers, I think, you know, they're used to having that kind of control over the audience. So are they able to use the audience strategies they would employ on digital campaigns uh, on a CTV campaign as well? They can. Yeah. So when you think about desktop and mobile, um, desktop, we've used cookies for many years. So so obviously setting cookies and using that information to target users. Mobile uses, um, mm-hmm. you know, mobile uh, IFAs. So um, ad friendly identifiers to determine that that particular user on an iPhone is a uh, male 18 to 25 and they're looking for a, a new vehicle. The same concept applies to CTV, right? CTV is a bigger ecosystem. Desktop and mobile really have two players in each, whereas CTV has many more. So you've got Roku and Apple and Google, and you've got all of the TV manufacturers. So the standardization is still coming together, but it's getting better by day. And the same concept of mobile, where you've got a device ID, exists in the CTV world. So now buyers are getting more sophisticated and and leveraging those device IDs to understand the consumers better and be able to more effectively target and reach that intended audience. Versus again, with linear, you're just buying a particular show and hoping that the audience aligns with your your intent. Whereas with CTV, you can say, "I, I have a pretty good feeling based on some data that that user is looking for a new vehicle. So I, BMW, um, want to reach that particular consumer. Mm -hmm. And something else that I'd like to call out is, you know, when we target digital audiences on the CTV space, you know, CTV is a cookie-less environment. So we are targeting on an IP level. And we can still use these audiences that we have with digital through cross-device matching and, and find them on, on the CTV space. But what are some limitations with using IP targeting in this way? Yeah, I, so IP targeting is really interesting. I think, um, you know, from a uh, very relevant standpoint, you've got new uh, privacy concerns, CCPA, um, et cetera, that are actually preventing the use of some of these data points. So I don't think IP is necessarily the best metric from a targeting perspective. I I think the adoption of a standard uh, IFA, again, a device ID across these different um, screens will allow a more consistent experience, but also Mm -hmm. give the end user the protection that they need. So When you think about IP address, yes, it does reset from time to time. In most cases, that could be days, it could be months. Um, But the device ID, um, if it's built into the native device, like a Roku device, uh, the consumer's in control. So if I go on my Apple TV, I can go in and reset my IFA at any time and recreate that profile, just like I'm used to doing on my desktop computer and clearing my cookies, right? So mm-hmm. I think what we're trying to do is use standards from you know folks like the IAB to ensure that we're creating a safe environment for the consumers while also providing the buying community really rich data to transact on and reach the right consumer. 
That's really interesting. I think that's something that, yeah, we can definitely spend more time on. Um, but I'm curious, you know, we're talking about the data that we can get from a standardized approach to the industry. So currently as it stands, what are some of the metrics that advertisers can report on and where are some of the gaps that we might be missing um, due to a lack of standardization across the CTV space? Yeah. So from a reporting standpoint, to me, this is what's most exciting about digital and about CTV, especially when I'm out talking to you know traditional linear buyers, is the real-time nature of reporting and access to data. So through Tolaria's platform, we actually provide a reporting suite to both publisher partners, but also buyers to get data in real time, meaning within seconds. So rather than on a linear TV campaign, you, you spend the money and then you get data afterwards, you get reporting afterwards, and then you shift your budget for next time. With CTV, with digital in general, you get access through our platform to that live information around performance. Now, you mentioned KPIs. Um, what are the things that um, buyers are, are measuring? And, you know, it's, it's some of the traditional um, digital metrics. It's some of the traditional video metrics. So impressions and fill rate and quartiles and completion rate, making sure that the user's consuming the ad. It's making sure that the intended audience is reached. If I'm layering on that auto intender segment, I want to make sure that the, um, the match rate is very high there and that I'm reaching that audience. But I can do that all again in seconds. I can go in and actually evaluate performance and shift strategy mid-campaign. I think that's what's most interesting is I may find that that hyper-targeted segment of auto intenders didn't have enough scale. So I've got this big budget, but it's not spending because I don't have a big enough um, you know, uh, pool of users to reach that, that fall into that segment. So by understanding that in real time, you can also understand environment-based information. So things like the size of the video player. When you think of desktop, um, what is the actual video player on the screen? On CTV, we know it's that TV-like big screen experience. Um, what device am I serving to? Is it a, a Roku device or is it a tablet? So understanding that in real time as well. Um, so traditional TV buying just doesn't allow for that real-time optimization. So I think when what you're finding with, with CTV along with that, that sub-second reporting is that you can act quickly. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that CTV really provides a benefit uh, for linear buyers in that sense, especially the flexibility. I know that, you know, like with upfronts and, you know, commitments three weeks in advance or whatever it is, and you can't really shift budget if it's not doing what it's intended to do, or even change your messaging, depending on what's going on, um, doing some A-B testing and whatnot. But I think for digital buyers, if we could speak to that a little bit, you know, digital buyers are really used to in-depth metrics. And I think, you know, in a CTV environment, um, we're missing things like clicks and engagements. So, you know, if we could speak to some of the, maybe the gaps um, in reporting for CTV and how we could potentially overcome that as digital buyers. Um, just curious on your thoughts there. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer there, but um, it is something that we run into at Stackdap being, you know, a more digital focused uh, DSP. Yeah, so I think on the engagement front, obviously CTV is different than that um, kind of immersive handheld experience on a mobile or tablet. So CTV, you know, living room sit back experience. Um, maybe you have the remote. 
likely you don't. So it's more about this non-skippable environment where the whole ad is consumed and Mm. it's surrounded by premium content. So Mm. the idea of those interactive units, while they do exist, there are partners like, you know, Brightline and and others, Innovid, that um, provide interactive CTV experiences that that we can help power, it's ultimately um, much less applicable to CTV today than it is on on desktop and mobile. You mentioned clicks, right? So clicks is the same thing. You know, if I'm on an Apple TV and I'm in my Sling TV app, um, so Dish is a partner of ours, and I click on the ad, there's no element of clickability. It's not going to launch a browser um, on my, my device. So those kind of digital concepts um, today aren't as relevant for CTV, but you do get a a much different experience, right? You get that premium linear-like experience, broadcast quality content. And I think what's interesting from from a metrics perspective is you're also getting more TV content reporting. So one of the things that we do for our partners is we provide them tools, again, on both sides, buyers and sellers, to share information about what the user is consuming. So not only that they're they're watching on you know Philo and that they're watching a live sporting event, um, but also what's what's the actual game and what's the metadata associated with that? Is there um, if I'm watching on Hulu, is there a genre that would be associated with that or a series show, maybe even a TV rating that's applicable to me as a buyer that I may move away from? So you're getting more information about the actual content, which, again, linear buyers are used to because they're buying their audience within the context of that program. And I think digital buyers are finding that really interesting because it's long form as well, right? So it's, it's interesting on digital in general to know where's my ad going to run before or after, but on a short news clip, maybe less interesting than a user who's engaged with an hour episode. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you in that sense. And, you know, for digital buyers, I think something that we've talked about a lot at StackAdapt is really shifting the focus of what the CTV aspect of your digital buy will accomplish for your campaign. So, you know, shifting away from the engagement metrics like we're talking about that aren't possible, but really understanding the value in the awareness play on a CTV environment. Right. Like users are choosing to engage with this content. It's not like pay TV or cable subscriptions where you're flipping through something, trying to find uh, content that's, you know, that you're interested in. You're actually going to a video on demand provider and choosing content that you want to watch, where you want to watch it, you know, in the comfortable confines of your living room. And inherently, because of that, you're more engaged with that content um, and more relaxed and potentially more receptive to the messaging. You know, one of the things I wanted to focus on, though, is talking about that deeper level of reporting at the show level, because what we're finding at SACADAPT is that this information is not always available uh, consistently across all partners and all publishers. Um, So I know that within the bid request, there are fields, you know, for for example, for genre to be passed and, and to get that show level data, but it's not always filled by the publishers. And I'm just wondering, you know, from a supply side, if you could provide more clarity on that piece, because it's something that we do run into quite frequently. And um, our buyers are asking for that show level reporting, and we want to be able to provide it to them, but we can't always get it. 
Uh, so it's a big roadblock for us. And I'm just curious from a supply perspective, you know, how that all works and why you could potentially see those limitations. Yeah, the, the TV content reporting is is um, super interesting and it's, it's evolving. Mm-hmm. So I think to your point, there, there's kind of a, a couple of steps in this process. The first is for our publisher partners to expose the data to us. Um, sometimes there's business rules around that. Sometimes there's just technical challenges in getting that um, metadata, that content metadata into Tulare's platform. The second step of that process is for then us to expose it to you. And in some cases, there are business rules that still uh, prohibit that. So in some of our virtual MVPD partners, their network agreements allow our buyers to understand that they're buying ABC, but they don't get to know that they're buying a particular show on ABC. Now, sometimes that's from a targeting perspective. Uh, sometimes that's from a um, reporting perspective. So what you're getting at is that you're not always seeing that content object in the bid request populated with information. And again, that can happen because we don't have the information, we don't have the metadata, or we actually give publishers tools to protect it if they choose. Now, what's mm-hmm. really interesting, and in, in some of our buyers um, are starting to leverage this, you know, a lot of our publishers won't expose it in the bid request because they don't want you targeting or excluding particular content, but they're mm-hmm. willing to do it as part of our reporting offering. So for your buyers, while they may not know that it's a particular genre um, at the time of purchase, they know the, the publisher, they know the app, they have all of that transparency. They may not know the exact show or series or genre, but they might be able to get that right after the fact, meaning the next day they may be able to log in and understand, all right, within this publisher, I ran within these shows and within these genres. So uh, that's something to keep in mind when you think about CTV is that um, some data is targetable, some data is reportable and mm. understanding those nuances. And I, again, I think it's, it's changing day to day. It's kind of the chicken and egg situation where buyers ask about it and publishers say, we're going to give you that level of, of transparency. It's going to cost more, that kind of back and forth. And, and we try to help um, educate and share that message between both. Mm-hmm. I think coming back to the targetable versus reportable data, I think that's really interesting. And I'm wondering how Tolaria helps buyers like Stack Adapt and, and you know, our end brands from a targeting perspective. You know, how can we work with you to ensure that what we're actually buying is the content that we want, um, and potentially, you know, from a brand safety perspective, we're not running on shows that we, you know, even if we're running on ABC and that's a reputable source, we might not want to run against a certain show. So how can you help buyers in that sense from a targeting perspective um, before we even get to the reportable piece? Great question. I think brand safety obviously is is paramount to, um, you know, moving more dollars from linear or more dollars, um, you know, activating on, on digital supplies, specifically on CTV. You know, we at Tolaria have a very strict onboarding process for our publisher partners to ensure that it is premium brand safe content, that they are providing as much data around the experience as possible, and that we're as transparent as possible to you, the, the uh, demand side platform, as well as you know, agencies and brands to understand as much as possible about what you're buying. Now, 
desktop and mobile, you typically buy on the domain, right? So you're buying mm -hmm. CNN.com and you know you're buying a, a Warner property. Um, and maybe you get a little bit more, maybe not. The same applies to CTV. You are getting what's called a bundle ID. And the bundle ID is really a unique data point that identifies the application. So it's Hulu on an Apple TV. So you know that you're buying that experience. And then you may, as we talked about, get additional metadata around the actual show that you're purchasing. So that's the level of transparency that we provide you. We also partner with vendors like WhiteOps from a pre-bid perspective. We partner with Pixelate. These are companies, if, if your audience is not familiar, that um, kind of analyze all of the inventory that flows through our pipes. And in some cases, blocks it before it even reaches the buying community. So uh, with WhiteOps, it's a pre-bid solution, meaning if we see something that they might find as fraudulent or they're a little bit uncomfortable with, we block it before we even send that bid request to StackAdapt. So um, there are certain measures we take, again, in vetting the supply. There are certain measures we take in onboarding and ensuring we're transparent as, as possible and to a point where our publishers are comfortable. And then we employ technology to help uh, police that going forward. Understood. So coming back to the show level reporting and metadata level reporting, um, the first thing you mentioned was that, you know, the first piece of this is that the publishers have to be willing to expose that data. And there's sometimes reasons why they don't do that. But something that StackAdapt and Talaria have been working really closely on over the past few weeks is our programmatic guaranteed offering or PG. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that offering and how that could potentially help to overcome this, this barrier and, and maybe, you know, let publishers be a little bit more willing to share that, that data with their buyers. Yeah, so the, the programmatic um, guaranteed opportunity, which we've been working on with uh, you guys for a while, and, and Talaria supported this this deal type for, for a bit now, and we're super excited about rolling this out. Just to set the, the stage uh, for those that aren't familiar, programmatic guaranteed deals are one-to-one -one programmatic deals. Um, mm -hmm. It's based on a guaranteed volume of impressions, and it's done so at a fixed price via a deal ID. So think of it as a one-to-one -one relationship. Um, you have guaranteed volume. In a lot of cases, you're, you're getting a first look at that supply that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have access to via the open market or during times of high demand. Mm. So those are deals that you can enhance really that traditional direct buying process by combining the control of the programmatic technology but also with the automated buying process. So uh, again, you know, a lot of our uh, CTV supply doesn't necessarily exist in the open market. So if I'm a um, buyer that's, that's transacting in CTV, I may have to go on those one-to-one -one deals with publishers. I may um, choose to transact in an automated guarantee. But also what we do is we can provide deal IDs that give you scale. So I think that's a, another thing for those linear buyers to understand is that, you know, if they were going to 10 different publishers today to activate those linear buys, um, you can do that programmatically through one deal ID. So one deal ID in StackAdapt um, can get you access to 20 different premium CTV publishers with full transparency of who and where you're buying 
but with much more operational efficiency, um, access to that real-time reporting so that you can pick and choose who, who you want to work with. Um, so it's just a much more efficient process. Um, and the programmatic guarantee obviously gives you a, a bit more control on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we talk about it, setting up these one-to-one deals with specific publishers, they might be a little bit more willing to share, you know, that level of data, that show level data that people are often looking for. Um, and then coming back to the point you mentioned about reserving this high priority premium inventory, especially in competitive times, I think this is an important piece ahead of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Um, And I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit and how CTV can really work with a vertical in the political space for the upcoming election. Yeah. So I think with the U.S. presidential election coming up, um, we have a lot of interest in, in CTV from political advertisers. And really that started really ramped up late last year in 2019 and, and into the beginning of 2020. And I think there's a couple different reasons why those um, those agencies are leaning in on CTV. I think first, CTV offers a really flexible environment for executing those campaigns across the funnel, which makes it a really effective channel to reach, say, undecided or persuadable viewers, or excuse me, voters throughout the different phases of the of the political process. So those different stages. I think the other thing is, is that addressable CTV, um, it's vital in, um, for political advertisers because it allows them to target that right audience. So we talked about that earlier in the conversation. And again, finding the right context, but also reaching that right audience. And with linear TV, again, if I'm going out and trying to reach a particular political affiliation I would buy within a particular program and I would have waste. Whereas with Mm. CTV, I can really leverage contextual information just like I'm used to, but also layer on data. So there's a lot of uh, DMPs or data management platforms that now have uh, segments of users that align with political affiliation or again, align that uh, with voters who are undecided. And by leveraging that data, the real-time reporting, those political agencies can really reach that audience and understand performance. Mm-hmm. And just to your point there, you know, something else that we can do um, with partners like Talaria is leverage audiences from, you know, that we've potentially served an ad to, that you've served an ad to on linear TV and collect those audiences and transform them into a digital audience and retarget them with a CTV campaign. So what that means for political advertisers is that you could potentially, you know, take a group of people that have seen your ad or your competitor's ad on a linear TV environment, and then to your point, target them across, you know, a more focused channel like CTV so that you're cutting out that waste and really speaking to the right people um, at the right time with with the right political message. So I think that's really powerful. Another point uh, on the the presidential um, politics space is that, you know, to speak to young voters, we typically see that audience skew towards CTV. This is the you know typical cord cutting or cord never you know population. So um, I'm wondering if we can maybe shift towards some of the trends that we see on the CTV space in terms of the demographics and the types of people that are watching CTV and how that's really changed over the past years and you know what we're seeing industry wide in this space. Um, with regards to consumption trends and demographics? 
Yeah. So we actually did a study with Sling, um, so Dish, uh, one of our, our partners for a long time, around research into young voters and habits of media consumption. And I think one of the really interesting things that we found was that I think it was almost half of the voters between 18 and 29 relied on CTV, so uh, relied on streaming live television to watch events around political information, so to watch debates, et cetera. And what we also found from that group, more than half, 66%, actually um, found that the ads were relevant and informative, and more than half actually preferred the ads that they saw on the CTV over traditional linear ads. Hmm. Um, they, they typically find that the CTV ads tend to be less disruptive. Um, they tend to, as, as we spoke about ad pods earlier, they tend to be shorter. Um, hmm. So the, the, the length of the overall commercial break tends to be shorter. And I think they, they typically tend to be more relevant um, because you have that data component in CTV where if you're trying to, to reach that particular male 18 to 25 uh, and BMW is trying to reach them, it's an interesting ad. It, it's uh, reaching that user who's, who's looking for a new vehicle. So I think um, the, the data play to that and again, seeing more of these kind of younger audiences, the Gen Zennial uh, audience, lean in on CTV and to find the experience to be positive is mm-hmm. is really exciting for us. Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know, a lot of these voters or, you know, and just more generally, these consumers who are spending time on CTV, they might not, you know, they could be the cord never audience or the cord cutters where you can't actually reach these people unless CTV is part of your buying strategy. So in order to speak to those people, especially voters, right? If you're trying to reach this crucial group of people and you don't have CTV as part of your media mix, you're going to miss out on that audience. And um, like you're saying, this is a, an audience that is engaged with the content, um, really receptive to it. And they're, you know, they're choosing to watch a specific show. The ads are more relevant. So really, you know, it's a loss if you're not capitalizing on that and, and really speaking to those people, in, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we see, Meredith. I think um, we know that more than a third of the U.S. households um, can't be reached through traditional pay TV. So I think that metric mm-hmm. alone, that data point alone is really interesting. And then when you layer that Gen Z and millennial audience onto that, it's just the way that you reach those consumers now is they're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're to your point, cord nevers or cord cutters, um, where they, they just naturally um, kind of started with that CTV experience and not that cable box or that, that satellite subscription. So completely agree. Mm-hmm. And I think another interesting point here is, you know, with Live TV and live sports especially is usually the last value proposition that ties consumers to their cable subscriptions, right? So, you know, I think we can't have this discussion without talking about, um, you know, in light of the current situation, um, the COVID-19 situation and the cancellation of a lot of these live sports and live events. You know, I'm wondering if this could be the final push that some consumers need to finally cut the cord. You know, without live sports, there's no real need for them to have these cable TV subscriptions. Um, And so they might cut the cord as a result of that. And, 
you know, as they're trying to seek to stay entertained while people are staying at home, you know, they might subscribe to more video on demand providers and, and become accustomed to consuming content that way. So just on that point, I mean, how do you see TV subscription trends changing over the next few months? Yeah, this is a really interesting topic. I think um, without discounting linear TV, I certainly don't want to to come off that way. I think we have seen a decline, um, not only in overall uh, linear t- television consumption, but also really that 18 to 49 ratings kind of decreasing over mm. the years. Mm-hmm. Um, the research we've done around why people are cutting the cord, the, the top reason is cost, right? The, the unsurpri- uh, unsurprising in terms of you know, how much it costs to ha- maintain that cable or satellite subscription and that they can get everything that they um, that they want to consume through streaming channels. Mm. Now, I think one thing to make very clear is that live television, live sporting events, news, political debates are all already accessible through CTV. So you can mm. get those through Sling TV and from Pluto. Live sporting, you can get through Fubo. So these are partners that are, are truly live today and, and have a very TV-like experience and that those audiences lean into. There's also a huge uh, array of VOD content, so video-on-demand content, that they can go back and, and view you know, a game that, that aired last week very easily without a big clunky DVR that you had to remember to, to set up, right? And again, this mm-hmm. is that TV, ex- that TV experience. I'm in the living room. I'm on a big... 60-inch LED, and it's just like I'm watching that that traditional uh, TV. There are certainly a lot more streaming services coming online. I, I think we all know that. So you've got, you know, HBO, and recently with Amazon and with Disney. So there are a lot more subscription-supported services, and I think there are implications for uh, implications for advertisers with that. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of them debut as ad-free and subscription-only. But we expect that to change. We, we saw that with Amazon Prime streaming service, where they move into different models, where they have free services that are ad-supported um, mm-hmm. so that they can achieve scale, right? You, the more eyeballs on this content, the better. The, the cost to producing the content doesn't change. So the more viewers, um, the better. So I think you know we're going to see more of the streaming services incorporate ad-based revenue streams without hurting the subscription model. So mm-hmm. um, again, what's great about CTV is you get all of that live content. You get live sports. The quality is often really, really strong as well because you know, from a user experience perspective, some of the things that Telaria focuses on are around the quality of the actual creative, the quality of the ad, not only from a, a bit rate kind of um, an encoding nature, meaning it, it has to look really good on a big screen, but also the audio level. So we do some things around audio normalization so that when you're watching the game and that Budweiser ad comes on, that that transition from content to ad is very seamless. It's not Hmm. jarring. The ad's not super loud. We've all seen that uh, in the early days. Uh, We see that on TV still. The local ads come on and they're at a different level. So we provide tools to our publishers and our buyers around user experience. And again, I think that leads to, to a shift if I'm going to watch the game on, um, you know, on linear TV or on uh, connected, if I get a better experience, a better ad mm-hmm. experience, quality is better. That's where I'm going. 
I totally agree with you. I think this whole conversation is really centered around user experience, right? Like the reason why we're seeing such an increase in supply on CTV channels is because that's where the users are going. It makes sense, I think, as a consumer, you know, if I'm able to choose the content I want to watch, it is great quality. You know, the ad experience is great. I have that level of control over my environment and and the programming. That's where I'm going to shift towards, you know. So I think even as we talk about the streaming services and how, you know, new ones seem to be popping up all the time, the so-called so streaming wars, I think that really just speaks to, you know, where consumers are going and how businesses are shifting towards what consumers actually want. They're shifting towards this user experience where they are in control of the content that they're consuming, how much they want to watch of it, when they can watch it. And yeah, I think it really just speaks to those trends. Like we're, we're following what the users want here. And I think as advertisers, it's important to work with our consumers and, and provide that level of experience um, that's going to keep enhancing, you know, the, uh, the overall CTV ecosystem. Yeah, I completely agree. And I would just reiterate, like for, for your buyers, right. When, when we do that research and we find that the younger audiences, as I mentioned, actually like the ad experience, they, mm -hmm. they, there's studies that, that we've done. Um, we have an in-house research team that find that, that users are willing to watch the ad more than once. And I think when you have that level of experience, it's obviously great for the consumer, so publishers are happy, but it's great for the brands. So it's not about uh, you know just brand awareness. It's that lower funnel where they're actually engaging with the brand beyond that first exposure. So it's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think with user experience um, top of mind, I think there's a lot that can be done in the world of CTV to continue to customize uh, and really work with the the consumers to just make it an overall great experience so i'm excited about that as well i think you know i think i've learned a lot from you jeremy from this conversation um and i hope that our listeners have as well i'm just wondering if there's anything else you'd like to add to the overall conversation today um before we wrap things up yeah I, again i appreciate you having me on and and really excited uh, on some of the initiatives that Larry and stack adapter rolling out together I would say if I could leave your audience with anything, it would be that we help make it easy. You know, there's a lot, again, a lot of acronyms and there's a lot of differences in the different screens and the shift mm -hmm. from linear to, to CTV. What we try to do in, in partnership with you guys is we want to make it as easy as possible. Um, do what you need to do in terms of reaching the audience and, and hit your KPIs but not overwhelm you with this new kind of ecosystem. So that's our, our main goal. And I think our tool set um, accomplishes that and will continue to evolve and build tools that make sense for our our publishers and our buyers. But if, if there's anything that I think about on a day-to-day -day basis, it's how do we dumb this down a little bit and just make it more relevant and easy for buyers to transact? Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you on that. I think it's all about understanding and education here. Um, so hopefully that's what we've left our listeners with today is a little bit of education. Um, and again, thank you so much for doing this podcast uh, and speaking with me today. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you in the future. So thanks, yep. uh, thanks again, Jeremy. You as well. And stay uh, safe and healthy. Thanks so much. <laughs> you too. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode today. If you like what you heard, it would mean a world to us if you do these three things. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review. 
If you're listening to this and know someone who would find this episode valuable, please share it with them. And finally, please share it on LinkedIn. If you have questions or feedback or would love to learn how agencies or brands work with Stack it App, find us at www.stackitapp.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you.